Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. You're listening to Bass Fishing for News, the Allen Finn Podcast, with your hosts, Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. Welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Finn Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and got my co-host, Sean. How you doing, Sean? Good. How are you, sir? I am here, finally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, tonight we got a really cool episode. Um, we've done similar episodes to this, just me and Sean before, but I, I think it's really cool to do, uh, do something similar to this with our guest tonight, we have Mr. Andrew Hayes from the Tackle Talk podcast. Welcome, sir. Hey, how's it going? Going good, man. It's good. So, so Andrew, he, he does a, uh, if, you, if you don't know his podcast already, you should if you don't, because it's really good quality and really good podcast. But yeah, it does Tackle Talk podcast and he reviews a lot of gear and all that kind of stuff. And we thought it'd be cool to bring him on and we talk about, you know, kind of beginning, getting into kayak fishing. What are really, you know, I, I see posts all the time, you know, if you're in like the uh, 
kayaking for beginners or whatever it's called facebook group on facebook yep. or any of those groups see all the time like how important is it to have an anchor how or what do i need for accessories on my first kayak i see it all the time so i i, I feel like you could just do an episode on this every week and you know pay, people can get information that they needed but uh but yeah so we're going to talk about what are the necessities that you really need? And, you know, uh, we're going to go, you know, kayak fishing specific instead of, you know, recreational kayaking, because that seems to be a lot of people. But yeah, welcome to the show, Andrew. I'm excited to do this one. Hey, appreciate it. I, I'm excited to talk kayak fishing, too, because I talk about it a little bit on the show, but obviously you guys are super kayak heavy. And I fell in love with it like probably six years ago when I started kayak fishing. And I tell people till I'm blue in the face that the best investment I think that a, a mid-level angler can make is your first kayak. Because I don't care where you are in the country, you're going to be able to get to 20 times more spots than the dudes that are on the bank that are going to get. You're going to get to 20 times more spots than the dudes in boats can get to because you can get shallower. You can get back in the nitty-gritty stuff that they mm -hmm. can't get into. And I know most of the big fish that I've ever caught my entire life have been back in coves, have been flipping, stuff like that, not out in the middle of you know a main state park lake. So you know, you're getting back to the places where you're actually getting to the better fishing that people on the bank or people in boats just don't have access to. So no, I'm excited to talk kayak fishing. I, I wish more people would take the jump in this past year. I think you saw a lot, a lot of people take the jump almost out of necessity because there wasn't anything else they were allowed to do uh, <laughs> except go outside and fish or kayak or things like that. So then you saw the kayak shortage and we're still kind of recovering from that, but mm -hmm. you know, there's still plenty of places you can go to look for kayaks. The stores are starting to get stock again. Um, Facebook marketplace is now just flooded with kayaks because all these people bought them during the pandemic. And then, they kind of realized, oh, I'm going back to work, going back to my normal stuff. That was fun for a year, but I'm not going to stick with it. So, no, I'm excited to talk some kayak fishing. Yeah. Well, you know, I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but obviously you know yourself better than I know you. So why don't you give people a little background on you and who you are? Yeah, um, I'm a Midwestern angler to the bone. That's like what I am. I talk about it a lot because uh, it's true. I, I fish not the best water in the world in terms of big bass, in terms of quality and quantity and stuff like that. But we make do with what we've got and definitely thankful for the water that we have around here. So I don't have like any cool fishing story on like why I got started or how I got started or anything. My grandparents uh, both fish, both my grandpas did. And, you know, my, my paternal grandfather, I guess, got me probably into it more than anything. He was a big bass fisherman. Uh, so just, you know, from the time you're growing up, it was something you recreationally did uh we went down they had a, a trailer in florida right off the harris chain so like we would go down there and you'd fish in the canals and stuff and then you'd come back up here and fish the creeks and that's kind of what i grew up fishing was creeks and really small rivers and you know just from there it kind of blossomed i was a recreational angler probably till age oh, i don't even know like right when i graduated college and then from college on i really kind of caught the bug and i went deep deep into it and i just made that change from recreational once every you know couple weekends to eat sleep and breathe bass fishing so i've been at that for a couple years now and it's it's uh one of those things once you do it you don't turn back so i i enjoy it um i've definitely caught more of the smallmouth bug than the largemouth bug over the past couple years we have a great river system here in dayton there's four or five rivers to choose from um and uh it's it's a fishery i think that used to get overlooked and now i think it's probably getting 
uh, maybe a little too much publicity for it's not as good as I think people think it is. Now we have a couple <laughs> hammers around here that just they they have the they know they've got it figured out. They post pictures all the time. People are like, holy cow, Dayton is like a small mouth mecca. It's like, no, nope, yeah. it's not. We there's just a couple guys that got it figured out really well. Um, Brad, but it's on, yeah, Brad <laughs> has got it dialed in. There's a guy around here, Ryan Dahl, that you know is is got just small mouth pictures for days and knows what he's doing and has it figured out. Um, so th they're definitely shining a light on Dayton, which is cool because you're seeing more and more people get into it. You're also seeing your spots get a little bit more crowded. So that's yeah. the, the other end of that, but no, it's, it's awesome. And I, I love it. I firmly believe that angling is one of the best, I don't know, I guess, uh, addictions that you can get and substitutes for some other stuff that, uh, it kind of keeps you out of trouble a little bit and keeps your mind, you know, if you're going to be laser focused on something and addicted to something and think about it all day long, fishing is a very healthy habit to get into too so i i yeah. enjoy it you can see on my back wall here too fishing hunting pretty much the two things that take up like 90 percent of my free time so no i enjoy it uh i was talking to sean before we got started that uh i i'm kind of ashamed of that bass on my back wall <laughs> but it's it's back there in the background anyways a reminder that's an actual skin mount so i killed that fish and took it home and and got it mounted and it was just the biggest fish i'd ever seen at that point it's a little over six pounds and uh you know i i panicked and i took it home and i mounted it and now that's probably the reason that i'm such a, a you know conservation heavy person or catching releases like i regret every day looking at that fish and i was like i i wish i that fish was still in the body of water i caught it from and its genes were still going and everything so that uh i don't know it, it taught me a lot of lessons and too and that's that's probably the fish that that really did just help me turn that corner i was a pretty recreational angler and then i was crappie fishing one day uh, around here with a five six ultralight probably eight pound test and a 116 ounce rooster tail and that puppy took me for a ride for about mm. i don't know a couple minutes to get it in and i thought for sure i was going to break off i thought there's no way i have the leverage to get this fish in and i did and i just i mean th that was it it was over yeah, that was fun <laughs> cow that was the coolest thing i've ever seen my entire life uh <laughs> it felt like a whale on the other end of an ultralight and i was like ah this is a pretty good way to go i think i'm probably gonna dive into this <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the way replicas are these days, you know, like you you oh, can yeah. get a good replica made and everything. You know, I, I feel the same way as you do about my bass I got back here on the wall. You know, these. <laughs> uh, uh, which I, I, one of those is your PB, Billy Big Mouth? Uh, yeah, the, I, the Christmas one. The, yeah, the, the, the Christmas one. He's got the hat on, you know, to show that he's PB. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, wish I gotta, still swimming around. I can't believe you killed Christmas bass. I know. I got to get one of these things working where I can just hit the button and it starts singing. Then they don't work. <laughs> they're 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 there for visual only. But but yeah, but I mean, rep replicas are crazy nowadays. Like if even if I caught a once in a lifetime bass that I knew, like I need to have this mounted. It's twelve pounds or whatever, and it's from you know uh, public water in Ohio. Like this is it. I would still choose a replica purely off of aesthetics like not off of you know the 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 health of the fish that's a whole different conversation but just that 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 is going to last forever it's fiberglass that's that's fish skin like that's not going to last forever that's going to deteriorate you can try and take care of it the best you can but if you've ever seen a, a skin mount of a fish like 50 years later it does not look pretty a, a replica mount's still going to look the exact same 50 years later so yeah i, I try and encourage people uh as as I don't know, as much as possible, like look into repos because they're crazy. And there is some wild, uh, they're artists. They really are. I don't know what else to call them. Like the people that do the replica mounts now, you see them on Facebook and stuff. They are insanely 
uh, realistic that look more realistic than the actual fish that's behind me. So yeah, I, I, I definitely think that would be cool. I was telling Sean too, one of these days I want to catch a replica worthy smallmouth to complete my little, uh, wall back there and have him face in the other way and just have it nice and symmetrical and done. But I need to step up my smallmouth game before uh, that happens. <laughs> right on. And that's something I, I wish I would have been able to get the, all the measurements on my PB when I caught it, but something that I feel like I need, and I guess it kind of goes along with the theme of this show tonight is uh, one of those, like, I'm not sure exactly one of those seamstress tape measures or, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. if you get, go uh, try on a, a tuxedo or something, they get all your measurements, yeah. you know, all that something like that, where you can get the girth of the fish and all that. Uh, I, I, I need to carry one of those with me just for yeah. that reason, you know, in case I ever break my PB, which will probably be like years from now. But I, uh, I broke that one two years ago maybe like the biggest fish i've ever caught here in ohio was 612 and i caught that 612 and i did all my measurements in fishing line you know where you like oh, okay. <laughs> wrap it around okay. cut it and then i put it in my right pocket and i was like all right that's the girth you know did the length uh put it in my left pocket that's the length or whatever i had a scale so at least i i had that part right but for for length and width and everything and then i had just showed up i was like all day long i'm checking my pockets like, like dear goodness please let these two pieces of you know, fluoro still be in my pockets when i get home but yeah it's uh yeah so now that's not even my pbs just a random fish but again it's it's the fish that's on the wall that, that taught me not to do that again and you know lit that spark in me so if i right. think i told this to somebody else but i was like if if one fish had to make the sacrifice for me being a better angler for the rest of my life and, and taking this seriously and making sure that every fish swims way healthy, then uh, I don't know. I guess that's a, a, a good consolation. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a fair trade. Yeah. I think, I think everybody, you know, makes mistakes. So, you know, it, you, you uh, learn from it. So, I mean, I, I've killed fish by accident just by gut hooking them. And so, I mean, I, I know I didn't purposely do it, but you know, you, you're gonna, it, it's just part of the sport. You're gonna kill fish every now and then. So, you know, yep. that, uh, as long as it's not from something that you could have helped. So, as long as it's not you abusing the fish while it's out of the water, of you yeah. holding the fish wrong, jacking its jaw sideways and breaking its jaw, or, you know, you uh, keep it out of the water too long, you, you put a hook into its, gut so you can take a picture of some you know uh, uh lure that you get 10 percent off of so that you can impress your your pro staff position or whatever like as long as you're not doing that you're right i mean that, we've talked to i had uh, uh my buddy shano gorman on a couple times who's an aquatic biologist and we've talked about that before like there is a difference fish mortality happens regardless but it's just a matter of could you have helped it or could you not have helped it was it you being irresponsible or was it just a fatality of the game and that's going to happen and you know, Shan said it too. It's like worst case scenario. You gut hook a fish that was not your fault. You did everything you could. You tried to let that fish go. That fish is going back in the ecosystem. That fish is is going to be turtle food. It's going to be, you know, raccoon food or something. And it's 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 all part of the cycle. But you know, mm -hmm. if if it was just from pure uh ignorance or you know, doing something that you shouldn't yeah. have been doing, that's a whole different story. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So on the subject for tonight, you know, you mentioned a little bit ago, like we saw a big boom last year in the kayaking community and something, I don't, I don't know about 
all the other states, but I know here in Tennessee, we also saw a big boom in kayak related deaths um, because of inexperienced people getting on the water, you know, it's kind of bound to happen. So something that, you know, I preach and several others on here, paddle and fin preach is PFD. Where are your PFD? Because, you know, it don't matter how good of a swimmer you are. If, you know, under, toe or whatever you want to call it sweeps you under or if you hit your head on a rock and get knocked out or if you're tangled up in fishing line or whatever it don't matter yeah. how good of a swimmer you are nope. but uh but yes yeah, so what what's your take on, on pfds you, you hear different things you hear you know you know some people were like oh just as long as you're wearing a pfd it, it don't matter what kind it is you hear get a quality one you you hear people like, "Oh, we'll just get an inflatable, and then don't get an inflatable because they're not reliable." So, what? what right. you, you know, you review a lot of gear, so I imagine you've probably done PFDs at some point. So, what's your yeah. take on that? I think it depends on a couple things. It, obviously, all water is different. So, if you're like, I do a lot of like shallow water, creek, and river, and stuff like that. That's going to be a whole different, I think, probably conversation than if you are on a thirty foot deep lake out in the middle of nowhere too, because current comes into play. And, you know, for, so for instance, like if, if I'm on a river and you're worried really about the current and you're worried about getting swept under logs or under log jams, things like that, I don't really think an inflatable PFD is probably, and again, I, I've never been swept under a log, so I hope I never find out, but I would assume that a traditional life vest would do you better in that scenario than something that can be punctured or popped and then you don't have that protection anymore where if you have a true foam or floating pfd at least that's going to help you in certain scenarios if you're out in the middle of a lake and there's no chance of you hitting something sharp or you know a rock or uh, something that could pop that then that might be a different story so i'm and I, i'm not going to pretend like i'm perfect on this either i'm a i'm definitely a do as i say not as i do kind of person but the way that i approach it most of the time on big lakes i'm a really good swimmer so like i i am i am fully confident in my ability that if i fall over as long as i don't have gear on me that is going to hinder my ability to swim so that's a whole different conversation too if you're wearing waders while you're in the kayak you need to have a an actual true pfd on i don't care if it's you know, inflatable or, or whatever. You need to have something on at all times because if you fall in the water with waders on, and those waders are strapped up here. As soon as that fills in water, you're sinking. You cannot swim hard enough to carry yourself and your body weight and waders full of water that are keeping you down in big boots and stuff like that. So that's a whole different conversation. If I have waders on, I'm always going to have a life vest on. Um, but if I don't have waders on, I'm out in the middle of a lake, then, you know, I'll be a little bit more lackadaisical about that because I feel like if I fall over, yeah, you might lose some rods or something, but I can swim and, and I'm good there. If I'm in a river, though, I am polar opposite. You will see me on the river. I may take my life vest off just for a little bit more, you know, uh, being able to cast and flip and stuff if I'm in very, very calm water. But as soon as I get anywhere near current, that thing goes on. So I'm, I'm one of those guys. A lot of times I'll have it kind of on like the back of my chair and I'll put it right here. If I'm in a spot that I think I can take it off and kind of, you know, be a little bit more lax days. And as soon as I get anywhere near current, boom, that life vest is going back on. So that's kind of how, how I approach it kind of best of both worlds. And again, that's with me, I'm a, I'm a very good, strong swimmer and I still know my limitations anywhere you get around current or you get in these sketchy spots where there is a chance that you can flip. There's a chance that even if you get flipped, like you said, you can't swim in that current, that current is going to win. And if you're around bins where there's submerged timber, if there's timber, you can see, we've had some really sketchy 
run-ins on the river, me and my buddies, where there's been spots that I've uh, times probably on a handful of occasions where I've been scared. Like this could turn out really bad in a couple seconds. If I don't make a split decision to turn my kayak one way or to get around this branch, especially with timber, that's the worst part is getting pinned. That's where I get scared more than anything. I don't really get scared too much on the water, you know, sweeping too much, especially if I have a life jacket on. But if you get pinned, I don't care if you have a life jacket on or not. It's not uh, going to help you too much. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Know your own risk. Know your own uh, limitations and things like that. But anywhere you're around current or around danger, you should have that thing on at all times. And that's probably where you need to decide is a traditional one or is a flotation device better. Because you're right. Not only could it pop, it could not work, too. It's a, it's a risk you take with, with a mechanical inflatable pfd is yes it should work but do you want something that should work in a life or death situation or do you want something that will work in a life or death situation just might be a little bit more uncomfortable so it's a, a personal decision but bottom line is you know if you're not just out in the middle of a a very you know calm lake or something you should probably have a life jacket on at all times your personal preference on which one you want to go with and i will say the manual inflate uh, pfds i'm not a big fan of those can you break know, yeah i mean it, it could it, it could very easily break on on when you need it most so and, a, and something not, well not of. only that if you get knocked out or something you can't inflate it <laughs> yeah um and something else i do want to say after what you said about the lakes is be careful with that because regardless how good of a swimmer you are if a boat is coming and don't see you and hits you yeah. it yeah that could save your life at that point because you know yeah. You can't really control that situation. That, yep. But, and, it's, and, and the other thing to think about, too, is like, you know, you're thinking, oh, OK, if I fall over in the middle of this lake, like I can swim back to my kayak. Like, what if that's not an option? What if your kayak had a, a small leak in it that you didn't know about? I've had I've sank a couple kayaks before. So really, you know, what if that ha and then what happens? OK, you're out in the middle of, of a lake. Are you going to be are you sure that you can swim to the nearest, you know, uh, uh, shore or and then you're like you said, you're swimming through boat traffic. So. Yeah, life jacket. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like that's not the best answer at all times. I just know that if I say that, I know someone's going to take a picture of me out in the middle of the yeah, lake. Yeah, life jacket. I'll, I'll be like, "You lied to me." No, but ninety percent of the time, I have one on. It's when I'm feeling very, very confident. I'm right by a shore. I'm flipping in, you know, super, super shallow water or something like that. I fall out. I can touch right there, and there's no current. Then you know, that's maybe a little different scenario. At least in my eyes, if I'm flipping in four foot of water and i'm flipping reeds in a, a glorified pond and i fall over yeah i'm gonna have a bad day but i can walk <laughs> back to the shore but yeah you need to have a life jacket on at all times and you made a good point too about banging your head up against something and, and not being able to inflate something properly that's something a lot of people don't think about with with like current in general is the current may not the, the full power of the water may not be your only problem right you can fall like you said you can hit your head you go unconscious I don't care if it's if you're in you know six inches of water, it doesn't matter. You can drown right there. Uh, and I think well, a lot it takes of people, a teaspoon, right? There yeah. And until you get into a point where uh, you've actually, I've I've waded a you know probably a hundred, two hundred, three hundred miles worth of rivers in my life. And when you get to a point where you are almost being swept away in like shin deep water because the current is so strong, you realize really quickly that. I could have really underestimated this and I could have walked out in something waist deep and I'd have no shot. That is, and not only is it going to sweep you away and you're thinking, oh, okay, but it's still shallow. As soon as I get swept away, I can just stand right up. 
you're not gonna be able to stand up on slick rock while that thing is pushing you. You're just no, gonna it's, keep it's, tumbling. You, yeah, you can't catch yourself. Be. You don't have like a, a nice you know bar to grab onto or have a, a stick or something. You're just you're you're grabbing it at you know KY jelly like you know you don't you don't have anything to grab onto. It's just it's it's gonna be a bad time. So no. Uh I'm always more cautious than I should be, I think, uh, especially waiting too. But you know, when I'm in a kayak and you get to a point where there, I see riffles, a, you know, a, a tenth of a mile away, that life jacket is going on if I didn't have it on already. When I've heard you talk about waiting before on your show before, and and I've had the same experiences with that too, where you think you're in two foot of water and you take one step and all of a sudden you're, you know, waist, chest, or over your head, like it. It yep. doesn't look like it, but it's there, and you know that those are the perfect kind of examples when, you know, you just have to respect the rivers and you know lakes too, but rivers ten times more so because I've heard so many stories and you know you hear the headlines you know of people totally taking it for granted and bad things happen. So, and especially, <clears throat> I know I touched on it before, but if you're wearing waders, it is a whole different ball game. If you fall in, if you go above those waders and those waders fill up. It is, I don't, again, I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how good of a swimmer you are. It's a totally different ball game once those waders fill up. So be careful on that, too. And, and you know, I, I'm not a big fan of people wearing waders in general while they're in a kayak, like just because of that reason. Like if you're in a kayak, get some, some other form of, of dry on you. I know there's like different suits and stuff you can get that will keep you dry. You don't need to wear, especially big, heavy duck waders like I wear a lot of times. Like you fall over, you're done. There's not much you can do there, so be careful and with waiting to you know go out when the water's low at first the very first time you wade any sort of new stretch of water because you need to learn the lay of the land you need to learn where the drop-offs are where okay yeah it's really low right now and it's up to my chest i probably don't want to go here when the water's up another six inches or a foot because i know that hole is over there so yeah be careful fall is usually the best time for me to go and explore new places to wade or new places to kayak even because the water's down a little bit and you get a little less danger you can explore a little bit more see the bottom a little bit better when you're in those kind of you know drought times uh wherever you live that's a great time to just get in the water and start walking or get in a kayak and kind of go explore because you can see the lay of land a lot better than you can in the spring when things are blown out a little bit more but you also made a good point about people you know the, the kayak deaths and stuff that we saw this year we saw a lot here in dayton too again we have five rivers so there's a whole bunch of kayak liveries there's a whole bunch of uh, you know, recreational people going out on the lake that, and, the, and the rivers that uh, aren't normally out there. And I, I, I don't think I'm lying when I say this. I think we had five or six kayak deaths in the Dayton area over the past year. I don't think a single one of them was an angler because anglers, for the most part, respect the river. They know the, the way the river works. They know the dangers. It's, it, most of the time, it's usually those recreational people that run into trouble because even if the water is up, we know this because we're on the river all the time. If the water's up six inches, that can make the difference between that one sort of sketchy part where you go around the tree and getting pinned in the tree and dying. Six yeah. inches and, you know, another 300 cubic feet of flow can make the difference between a great day out on the river and, oh, my goodness, there are four spots that are very dangerous. And if you don't know what you're doing and that's only your third time in a kayak ever, you can't maneuver around that. So, yeah, I just wish people would be a little bit more careful. I don't want to see it go to this extent, but I wouldn't be surprised if you look back five, 10 years from now and you have to take some sort of class or have some sort of license to go out on like public water, especially rivers by yourself. 
Yeah, I was actually showing my daughter this recently. I uh, took the kids out on a kayak, and you know, we paddled upstream, and you know, we got up to some riffles and jumped out and dragged our kayaks up through the riffles, and then we we're coming back down. And I was showing her like that over there's a strainer. Avoid that at all costs. You know, uh, keep the kayak straight going down through here. See where the where it's kind of you know a arrow shape. You know, that's where you want to go through. You don't want to. Uh, go through like where it's like bubbling up and all that because that's a rock right there and all that kind of stuff trying to show her that but uh, one more story i wanted to add to the whole lake thing uh it it popped in my mind as we were talking about it last year somebody posted on facebook here local to me around uh, i believe it was on percy priest lake uh in nashville um there was a girl that posted a story about you know there, there was one time last year where you know, it was just a calm, normal day. I was sitting on my back patio, and then all of a sudden, here come this wind, and it was crazy wind. Like, the, like the full-grown trees back here were just bent over, and I'm sitting here on the patio, and it hit me in the face, and like kind of took my breath. Well, apparently, she was on the water with her friends in kayaks when this happened, and so they're just you know having a normal day out on the lake, and all of a sudden, this crazy wind hit. And so they were paddling for their life, trying to get to the bank. Her friends made it. She didn't. It blew her to like the middle of the lake, flipped her over. She's like trying everything to, I I forget exactly what I'm wanting to say. She tried to grab her cooler or something to help her float. She didn't have her PFD on. She ended up getting to one of those buoys, like the buoy showing the main channel yep. and stuff and grabbed yep. a hold of that and held on to it for dear life uh, until it calmed down and her friends were able to come out there and get her but like man this is crazy to me she's probably lucky to be alive but i'm yeah. glad she shared that story to get people right yeah i mean you should i'm almost surprised there's not like a um and maybe there is certain places but like a law on that because it's it's going to yeah. turn into like seat belts right where it's like okay yeah, if it makes sense that if you're going to be doing something dangerous, they probably man, there should be some sort of rule or regulation on you have to have that on at all times, especially at, like the, the, at least in public right. places. Yeah, right. the, the you, only you have to issue save people from themselves. <laughs> yeah, the only issue with that is where's the cutoff? You're like, okay, you say kayaks. Okay, what about canoes? They're pretty similar. Okay, you got to have it in canoes. Like, well, a lot of these kayaks are almost is are almost as wide or more wide than a, the bottom of a John boat. So what about the John boat? And, you know, you just keep slope. on. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, so it, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see it on, I don't know, whatever you define as like personal watercraft, maybe. So it would probably be, you know, kayaks, canoes, jet skis. Um, I believe jet skis in a lot of places already do have they? that law. Okay. Yep. So like stuff like that. Cause I mean, there's always going to be a cutoff someplace. It always kind of blows my mind that I have to wear a seatbelt on my car. I could get fined, but the guy riding beside me on a Harley doesn't have to wear a helmet. So like stuff like that, they obviously show they're fine making a cutoff at some point. It's just, where do you make it? But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't well, be surprised if, if in the, the next couple of years, some of this stuff probably changes. Unfortunately, it takes people, uh, you know, tragedy, I guess, to, to make some of these changes, but it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if you have to have a kayak uh, safety course or license or something or for boats too. It, it kind of blows my mind. You don't have to have a boating license. Um, PA like, you do. Well, okay. You're, yeah. well, you're, you have to have actual license for you as the boater. 
for a jet ski or a boat you're supposed to i i think to drive a jet ski in pa you have to have the boater safety course like okay. the card so uh, down, i wouldn't be surprised if that goes to kayaks and stuff at some point too it down yeah. here in tennessee i know i assume it's jet jet skis too but boats with motors over a certain horsepower i believe it's like six something or nine something horsepower uh you if you were born on or after january 1st 1989 you have to go through a course and have like a license if you're born before that you don't have to have it. and the only reason i know that exact date is because i'm i met that cutoff where i don't have to get it by less than a month i was born in <laughs> so awesome but uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, that is kind of crazy what you said. You know, Ohio don't require motorcycles to wear a helmet. I know Kentucky yeah. don't. I believe Indiana don't. Here in Tennessee, we're such like a red state, less regulation and all that. We do require motorcyclists to wear a motorcycle. So that, yeah. that's, that's, that's I wonder crazy. if, yeah, I mean, all this is going to be state uh, regulated, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise me if to go on a you know, because the state has power over, uh, you know, state parks, for instance. So maybe maybe it's for all state park lakes. They're going to say if you are out and and on the water and not on shore, if you are on some sort of watercraft, you need to have a a, you know, life jacket on while moving maybe or something like that. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the stuff changes because, you know, once you have a year like we had here where five people die on the rivers and stuff, you got to imagine people are starting to talk and stuff's at least being thrown around as, you know, an option to change laws or change regulations or stuff. If, if it wasn't at least a discussion, I don't know if those people would even be doing their jobs very well. You should probably at least talk about it. Like, okay, we had five people in Dayton pass away on the rivers. What are we doing wrong? Not saying, you know, more regulations is right or less regulations is right, but I'm assuming that discussion is happening. (laughs) And education should be a key thing in that too. Like, yeah. It, and for anybody out there that don't know what they're doing on the rivers or something, you know, reach out to somebody. I, kayak community is cool. Like yeah. a lot of people will mind, you know, giving you tips or even letting you come out with them sometime. You know, they might not show you all their hot spots, but like as far as the basics of navigating a river or something, it'd be cool. But yeah, I didn't mean to make this like half an episode <laughs> on, you know, PFD safety and all that. Uh, no, it's so a good we, thing to talk about, though. It really it, is. It, it, yeah. it is. It is. Uh, but yeah, we get, we got some other stuff to cover. Uh, so wh- what are some other things that you feel like are, um, like, I guess necessity when you're first getting into kayak fishing, what's some true necessities you need? So I would say like bare bones. Like when I first got into kayak fishing, it was kayak paddle, life jacket, net, and I'd say that's it some ratchet straps probably but <laughs> uh to, to to put it in your vehicle but no uh kayak paddle life jacket net i think once you have those because i'm assuming if you're an angler you already have rods reels lures lines stuff like that setting that aside just to specifically go kayak fishing that's it like there's nothing else that you absolutely need there's some stuff that makes it obviously a whole lot better a whole lot easier and you know uh, as you evolve as a kayak angler you're going to want some of these things but bare bones what would you guys say? You can probably get into this with a decent starter kayak. Now, keep in mind, not probably what you guys are fishing out of, not what I'm fishing out of, but yeah. you know, a, a decent starter kayak that will do the job and get you to places that you weren't able to get to, a paddle, a life jacket, and a net for five or 600 bucks, probably. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, well, I'm talking like into, a pelican. Today, I'm talking a yeah. Yeah, in a, today's a, market, you know, I, well. I know around here in Tennessee, <laughs> like even those pelicans are going for about that uh, by themselves. Yeah. But yeah, you, know, you can look into a deal uh, here and there. But but yeah, for in general, yeah, I, I would say that's about right. You know, you, yeah. My first kayak, I think, was 350 bucks. I'm pretty sure is why I paid for it. It was an Ascend A10. They don't even make them anymore. Those like uh, the Ascend sit-in kayaks that were just yeah, yeah, yeah. pure recreational kayaks. I didn't know what I was doing when I bought my first kayak, and I bought this one because it was the cheapest one at Bass Pro. And I learned really quickly that sit-in kayaks suck to fish out. <laughs> um, but it was a good, you know, learning kayak. It's it was uh, it definitely taught me. I think, and again, I don't know what you guys think. I think it's easier to tip a sit in kayak than it is to take a sit on top kayak because of the way the bottom hole is. So mm -hmm. it taught me, I think a little bit better on maneuverability. Cause once I upgraded to a sit on top kayak, I was like, Oh, this is a piece of cake compared to, you know, that was a little bit tippier. I could fall out of that one. If I, you know, really wasn't paying attention or took a, a corner too sharp or something like that. Cause you get a little top heavy when you, when you move over the side, but you know, on my kayak now I can do jumping jacks on it if I want to, and you can't yeah. tip that thing. So yeah, it's uh, I, I had a very, not ideal entry level kayak that I used for I think two years, and uh, I bought a cheap paddle for like fifty bucks and a ten dollar you know life jacket, like an actual life jacket, like not an inflatable one, just one that you would get to go boogie boarding or something if you were at the <laughs> beach, uh, and uh, and a you know ten dollar like frable net, and that was it. And uh, once once you do that, I think that's smart. I think it's probably smart to get. Don't jump into a Hobie right off the bat. Don't jump into a Jackson right off the bat because make sure you're gonna stick with it. Make sure you enjoy it and like it because i'm sure there are people that try yeah. kayak fishing for the first time and just uh, whatever it is if it's if it's you know the the fear of it gets in the way if they're not a swimmer or they don't like being out on the water the the instability of that kind of stuff or you know if they just maybe the there weren't as many spots to take it as they thought there would be or something i'm sure there's some people that get into kayak fishing or think they're going to and then don't stick with it for one reason or another so don't sink two grand into your first kayak go out there like you guys are talking like the start with with the the bare bones minimum to get you guys going and then there's other stuff that obviously we'll talk about probably here in a minute that you're going to want to add on to that kayak once you say okay i'm sticking with it i like it i've i've fallen in love with this i'm going to dive in and i'm going to rig this thing up and we're going to make this a, a true fishing machine yeah i i completely agree with you i started out you know i paid my buddy like 200 bucks for his pelican challenger 100 now what you were saying about this sit inside sit on top i've never been in a sit inside before so i can't oh, you're speak lucky. on that don't do it <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah it was a little sit on top one thing the worst part about that kayak was the seat you know it was like you sit on but the kayak asleep in, in and 15 minutes well, <laughs> well my my back you know it hurts hurts me anyways you know so this had a terrible back wrist on it so like it after a while like it after a full day on it like i was sore the whole day next day barely able to stand up straight but it got me on the water and one thing i will say yeah i, I think it's great to start out in a cheaper kayak you know one you you the cost can be so high getting into it initially that, you know, kind of keep it as low as you can at, at that point. But two, like kind of find out what you want. You know, at that point, you probably don't know much about like, well, this kayak's good for rivers. This kayak's good for lakes. Um, do I want to open a floor plan on it? Do I want like a center console? Do I want a pedal drive? Do, or am I eventually going to want something that I can mount a motor to? 
all that. Yeah. You don't you don't know all that initially, so you know something cheap to get into it. I think is great. Just remember that there are much better kayaks out there, that much more stable, much more comfortable, much more maneuverable, much easier to paddle or all that. So if you like it, just like it in that cheap kayak. When you get a good kayak, you're probably going to love it. That's a good so. point too. There's something to be said for like starting in a Pinto and working your way up to the Cadillac and not being a 16 year old. That's just given a Cadillac. Like right. you appreciate the Cadillac a whole lot more if you started out in the Pinto. So that's, that's kind of where this is going to. It's like, once you get used to that terrible 10 foot sit in $300 kayak, when I upgraded my first sit on top kayak, which was still nothing special, it felt like a, you know, a, a, $50,000 sports car. It's like, this is amazing. This is so yep. much better. I got used to uh, the worst it could be. And from here on out, it's gravy. So that was the same thing. I upgraded from that uh, A10 to a 10T, which is still an Ascend kayak because there weren't many places to buy one around here. Um, it was like 500 bucks. It sit on top, bare bones, didn't come with anything mounted or anything like that. So like you said, open floor plan, that was a really good middle kayak for me because it taught me really quick what I wanted to add, what I didn't want to add, what I liked, what I didn't want to like. And that gave me a chance to kind of customize on my own at the beginning with like PVC pipe and stuff like that and make your own mm -hmm. stuff. And, and really, uh, I don't know, kind of redneck rig that one to say, okay, when I do get my forever kayak or my next, you know, big kayak, here's what I want to look for. I realized really quick that I, I did want a center console. I didn't, you know, I, I, I had all this space in between my legs and I never, ever, crossed my legs i never used that space when i stood up i realized my feet were far enough apart that if there was a console there it wouldn't bother me so that's a good point too some people stand a little different they stand with their feet close together and that center console is going to suck so all that kind of stuff was nice if you get a, a cheaper open floor plan sit on top kayak to start to uh that little 10t was actually pretty nice for that and then once i got my next kayak i knew what i wanted to look for and you're right seat is the other thing if you have a choice get a kayak that's got like like a middle frame head. seat yes like, that's exactly. how you don't want one it. that's like molded in and it's just a an indent for your butt like you want an actual seat with a backrest especially if you're going to be going for more than an hour at a time uh it will be a lifesaver and that will prolong all of your fishing trips uh tremendously if you can get one that's at least got a seat that has a, a frame maybe like a oh, what was that stuff kind of like a canvas bottom that you sat on and it almost looked like a lawn chair more than yeah. anything that you slide in so look for that that's it's a good point too. Uh, my dad had a pelican that had like just the molded seat. I mean, his back was killing him after a couple hours. And if on that note, if you can find them, if you're looking for an entry level, you know, fishing kayak, um, and want a good, a decent seat on it, I haven't actually sat in it myself, but it looked like a decent seat. If you can find them, I saw at Walmart they had it's like a a lifetime, I believe. Yeah. And it's it's one of their models that they already have. I won't say like one of the like the uh, Teton or whatever, but it's whatever it is, Angler edition, and it's got like the nice nicer seat on it and all that. It looked pretty cool. I was, I was actually gonna uh, pick one up for my daughter, and when I because I'd I'd seen it, talked to my wife about it, and we're like, yeah, let's do it. So when they're in, and they were sold out, but it was like 350 bucks. Like you can't beat that for yeah, here it is right here. Yeah, it's price. a lifetime uh angler fishing kayak sit on top, 52 pound kayak, 299 in stock, delivered from Tractor Supply Company. Like that's that's all you need there to There you start. go. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 
and I believe it showed it. It comes with a paddle. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe it did. So, like, that just shows you, though, that, again, you don't need to sink two grand in your first kayak. Get the necessities. Try it out. Figure out what you like. You said, you know, it's, it's a really good point, too, because you, you, you might think what you, you want or you see somebody else's kayak. Like, oh, perfect example. Where uh, I thought for sure I wanted, like, a big uh, fish finder mounted to the side of my kayak. Like, on the rail mount there, I just see people with it on it. It looks sick. It looks like it would be way better than having that. Uh, fish finder in the middle where you know you might be able to uh tee off on it when you go to cast or something and <laughs> yeah. i found out really quick i tried one of my buddies that had it mounted on the side i hated it i couldn't stand it and i would have sunk you know a couple hundred bucks into buying that and put it on my kayak and realized really quick that that just was not for me i i didn't like it when i was sitting down and trying to cast and it was on either side because if it was on my left side when i was flipping it was annoying when it was on my right side when i was just main casting it was annoying i didn't like that i found out really quick that in the middle as long as it's not coming up like you know more than a foot foot and a half up i like it in the middle more than on the side so again nothing wrong with if you've got buddies that fish try their kayaks out and just see what you like and don't like too and and maybe you don't have to uh, cause yourself a headache and you think you know what you want and then you <laughs> put it on your kayak and you hate it yeah, right. and we've talked before too. Um, you're, you mentioned it. Just try uh, find a place where you can try something if you're if you're thinking about it, if at all possible, because um, you know you might think it's the best thing, and you get it out in the water, and you're like, "Wow, I really don't like how this tracks," or um, you know, "This is a lot harder for me to move around than I anticipated." You know, that kind of thing. You know, <clears throat> the the huge kayaks that are super stable are nice, but they're also heavy. And they're also yeah, yeah. Um, like barges to turn at times, depending on what you get. So, you know, definitely, you know, if you can try them out on the water and, and make sure that uh, what you think you want is actually what you really want. So. And that's a good point, too. Even if you can't get it on the water, if you're in like a big store or something, you you mentioned one that's really important. Pick it up. See right. if you can lift that thing or see if it's it's able to be transported because you're going to look at like a 13 foot kayak and be like, that looks great. That would be awesome. And then you try and pick it up. You're like, just kidding. I can't move this to save my life. So it's uh, it, transportation is obviously a big part of it. At least sit in it too. Cause again, it, it comes back to comfort here, sit in it, get a feel for like, okay, how far away are certain things? How far away is this compartment? Can I reach this? Um, you know, are the, are the, uh, where the seat is compared to the uh, where you put your feet. Now, most of those are adjustable, but still that kind of stuff. Make sure you can sit in it and it feels okay too, because there is some stuff that you can kind of help with if it doesn't track right. Um, you know, a, a rudder. I got my very first rudder uh, maybe like three months ago, something like that makes a world of difference. It was because I got a feel free lure 10, which doesn't uh, it's not very speedy and it doesn't track the best, but it's very stable and I like it. Um, and that rudder made a huge difference on it. So that kind of stuff too, you, you might be able to fix some of that. I always kind of hope anyway, that if a, a kayak is a big name brand, it's mass produced, it can't be terrible, right? You right. would hope that, I mean, you're not going to get some in something in the water and you're going to sit in it and it just turns completely right all the time. <laughs> like it, it's a, you know, it's a mass produced kayak that has a following and have people that like it. So that's at least the nice part is you're not going to get out there and be like, this doesn't go forward at all like it does go forward at all it just might not be you know uh completely fine-tuned to you or or how you want but it should still do fine that's i think sometimes we overthink a little bit of that too much true and, and something you know 
I, I feel like we kind of take for granted that we already know some of this information. So for somebody like brand new, you know, when we're talking about how it's, how it's tracking, you know, we're talking about like, for instance, my second kayak was a Vibe Seagulls 130. It comes stock with a rudder on it. Uh, my dad's first kayak that he got because he wanted to start kayaking with me was a Ocean Kayak Big Game Prowler 2. And they're almost identical. Those two kayaks are almost identical. There's little differences, but his don't have a rudder. His kayak does not track worth a damn. Like, <laughs> and what we're talking about with that, when you're paddling this kayak, the front end, if it's if it don't track well, it's going left to right, left to right, left to right. Where my kayak with the rudder, I, I was able to keep it. You know, I paddle left side, right side, left side, right side. I can keep the nose of that kayak going straight the entire time. It's kind of like when you, yeah. you drive a car that needs like a tire rotation or, you know, alignment or something where you let go of the wheel on the interstate and it slowly veers to the left yeah. all the time, slowly yeah. veers to the right. That's the same thing as, as tracking. It's like you want a kayak that when you let go of the wheel, it goes straight. And, you know, uh, right or wrong... Yes, the more you pay for a kayak and the nicer kayak you get, supposedly the better it should track. But there's all kinds of stuff, too. It's the length of the length. kayak. It's, it's mm-hmm. the width of the kayak. It's how big you are versus the kayak or how you – I have a problem where sometimes I tend to lean to the right a little bit. It's just something that I do in my kayak, and I catch myself doing it all the time, and that will make a difference on how it tracks. So it could be weight distribution inside the kayak, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, you want a kayak that when you you know you paddle once and twice to the left and the right real fast and you're trying to go straight that it will – for the most part, stay going straight and not veer, uh, you know, to the right or the left pretty bad. And most of the time, most of them are, are okay. Now, when we say like a kayak tracks terribly, usually uh, yours might be a different case, but usually I mean, it's, it's fairly minor. It's not like I paddle and try to try to turn right and it goes left. Like it's, it's at least (laughs) it does for the most part, what you want to do. It's just, yeah. If you, you go, you know, 10 foot and you let it glide. It's hard to go a little bit to to the left. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah. And so I guess to move on a little bit more here, since we're kind of getting short on time is the paddle itself. I'm, you know, I I know people get, get what's in your budget, but for me, I'm I'm to the point and, you know, people hear this and I I know I was like, whatever is Get a quality paddle, and and at the very least, get one at the right length that you need. You now, I I had this case just recently. I went uh, fishing with a buddy. He's in a cheap kayak. He had like this little like two thirty centimeter uh, paddle you get from Walmart. Uh, I'm in pedal drive, so I was like, you know what? Here, try my paddle. You know, I've I've got the two fifty uh, centimeter Yak Gadget paddle. And I, I, I really prefer 260, but I really like that Yak Gadget paddle. So I've been using it and I don't have to use it that much because I'm in a pedal drive. So I was like, here, you take my paddle. Give me yours. Try this because he's paddling all day. I'm barely using it. Well, the first thing he said whenever I handed it to him was like, dude, that's really long. Like, that's too long. I'm like, no, that's what you need. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, after probably 30 minutes to an hour of him using that, he's like, I've never went this fast in a kayak before. Like he was able to do it faster in his short paddle. He was smacking the side of his kayak and stuff like that. He wasn't doing that anymore. And, you know, he, he loved it. It, It's lighter. So, you know, less fatigue and all that. 
So I I don't know how y'all feel on like a beginner, like, you know, get what you can afford. But if you can afford like hundred to $150 paddle for a starter, I, I, that's what I recommend. What about y'all? You go ahead, Sean, you go first. Um, that's where I started. I, I, um, my first kayak was a tarpon wilderness systems, tarpon 100. I bought it on, um, austinkayak.com, you know, act.com. And it came with a angler paddle. Um, and I, I, that's still the paddle I use today, even though my Hobie came with a paddle and I still prefer the, the angler paddle that I got as part of that package. It was probably maybe a hundred, hundred, $125, maybe $150 paddle but it's telescoping so I can make it, I can adjust the width for the kayak that I'm in. Oh, and um, it's not crazy heavy. Um, now I still, at some point it is on my bucket list to upgrade my paddle to a carbon fiber or something lighter. Um, but I, I pedal again a majority of time as well. So it's not something high up on my bucket list. There's other things that are definitely higher, but. Yeah, um, it's not, it's not as important for the ones that have pedal drive because you're not using that paddle that often at that point. But if you're going to be paddling all day, that that's that's what I'm saying right there. If you're going to be paddling all day, like I, I feel like you really need to invest that extra money if you've got it. So this is where I'm a terrible uh, person to ask on this because I will be one thousand percent honest. I've been through three kayaks. I'm still using my. I think it's two hundred and thirty centimeter very short oh you're uh, one of those two I, I'm, <laughs> I feel I'm, like i called I'm you still, out on accident <laughs> i'm still using my orange ascend uh like 50 dollar paddle from bass pro from day one and i and i have almost purposefully not used my friend's nice paddles because i don't want to open pandora's box and have to go buy 150 because I, I know it's going to make a big difference and this thing is heavy it's awful i almost like make a joke now where like i take it and i'll i'll ask whoever i'm going with be like feel how heavy this paddle is like this paddle is super heavy and it's too short i have a, a, a sit on top kayak now where i'm in a seat that goes up right i'm in the feel free so i have that big gravity seat i need an even longer paddle now because i'm up higher than i normally was and i'm just too cheap to go buy a new one and i've i'm still using that same paddle it's heavy it's terrible it feels awful on my hands it's got that kind of like almost I don't even call it textured, but after a while, that that bad uh, whatever they use aluminum, I'm assuming, uh, gets to the point where it gets rough and it almost like makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you just grab the paddle. Uh, <laughs> like a nail still, on a chalkboard kind of feeling. Yes, it's exactly what it is. And it's awful, but I'm still using it. I, I know as soon as I go down that road, it will probably be one of the best things I've ever bought. I just haven't done it yet. It's going to be the same thing as like, you use lead for your whole life and then you use a tungsten flipping weight for the first time. And then you can never go back to a, uh, a lead weight again because you tried tungsten and you saw, holy cow, I can feel every twig and every, you know, rock under there. I know it's what's going to happen with paddles. Eventually. I just, I get really overwhelmed too. Cause I don't know anything about paddles. I don't know what makes one different than the other. They all seem like, you know, very expensive things that do the same thing mine does, but I know, after eight hours a day of getting one that's probably 20 to 30 centimeters longer and weighs half the weight that I would love it. But I just haven't taken that, yeah. that dive yet. So I'm in the same boat as probably the people listening that I <laughs> I'm, I'm reluctant to change, but I know it will happen eventually. Yeah, man, that's probably one of the best buys. See, I, I, I was one of those people who was like, I really don't want to spend the money on that. Like I got a paddle. It works fine. And then, you know, the first time 
did a meetup at Dale Hollow uh, with Paddle and Finn. Uh, Josh Eldridge, he was in a pedal drive, and I was like, I was like, can I use your paddle since you're pedaling? He's like, sure. So he's actually got one of the nice ones, like three hundred dollar bending branches ones. What, what is it's what the, my buddy Ryan has? It's a, a really nice ang- bending branches one. Yeah, the Angler Pro or something like that. But yeah, yeah man, paddling with that thing, that was nice. <laughs> I, I I I could, you know, I'm an out of shape guy. You know, six foot two fifty. You know, I'm I'm not in the best shape in my life. But you know, I could paddle for a mile straight across the lake and. You know, be fine to keep going a little further. Where with that little cheap paddle, man, like I was, you know, I was lucky. I was lucky to make it like half a mile without having to stop for a couple of seconds to take a break. And <laughs> it, it it does make an incredible difference whenever you're paddling a lot. And I ended up getting me the uh, the Bending Branches Angler Classic in two sixty. It's like hundred and forty bucks or something like that. Really, and. Uh, and yeah, that was great. And then Yak Gadget, you know, we're a big supporter of them. They support us. So when they came out with, uh, with their, I believe it's called the Quick Water. You know, right now he only makes it in two fifty centimeter, but he's got plans for other links in the future. But you know, that two fifty is actually great. It's actually lighter. It, it's in the same price range, like one hundred and fifty bucks. Same price price range as that Bending Branches Class, Bending Branches Classic. But uh, you know it's a little bit shorter, but it's it's lighter and man, it's it's been a great paddle so far. This might be this might be a dumb thing, or it might already exist, or if not, somebody ought to make one eventually. Do they make so like your bending branches when your nice paddle it snaps off and comes in two pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So why doesn't someone just make like a ten centimeter extender to That's put true. in between, like to snap, snap, snap? And then it's 260 or 270 or whatever, and you can take it apart. Like, why doesn't someone make a? We might have just made somebody a lot of money. But <laughs> I, as soon as we get done here, I'm messaging John and yeah, telling him, "Why don't you? Hey, yep. Here's a here's a twenty dollar extender. I, now now you get to sell this paddle as it's 250 or 260 or 270 or whatever. I I'm almost I'm almost guarantee John will do it. <laughs> well, I, I ain't gonna say I'm a guarantee, but. I'm I'm about to message him about that. <laughs> Just seems yeah, like an yeah, easy fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gadget may soon have a paddle <laughs> extension. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I know that'll be next. And the worst part, I don't have a pedal drive or a motor or anything. I'm I'm paddling my happy little butt everywhere I go with this terrible paddle. So I know it'll happen eventually. I know I'll get a nice one. But yeah, that's again that's Take that's one punch, of those things man. that yeah once you once you dive into kayak fishing like we're talking about. There's certain things that you're going to upgrade that in the beginning may have seemed silly and you're like, oh, I don't need that. And then it's like fishing, too. It's right. You, you had a $50 rod and then you had a $100 rod and then you had a $150 rod. You're like, I'm never going to get to a $200 rod. Four years later, you have a $200 rod. It's the same thing. We yeah. all just very incrementally go up until we're all fishing with $500 G Loomis rods and we have $2,000. I haven't got that far yet. Well, give it another 20 years. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know some other things that I think there's probably other things that eventually people will want and and may seem like duh things to certain people or maybe things that are easy to overlook like a dry box like dry box or a dry bag or something I have ruined too many phones and too many cameras and lost too many keys to not have like a floating dry box or a dry bag with me at all times I had a incident like three years ago where I flipped my kayak in really heavy current 
I lost all of my uh, gear was all in the water. I, I mean, I didn't have, luckily I was able to get most of it back. It took an hour or two, but I was able to get a lot of it back. Um, but I had my phone keys and wallet all fall into fast moving water in different areas. And I had to go in and try and find them and feel around with my you know feet and go down a little bit and anything that floated, I had to swim down and grab and come back. And it was an absolute cluster. So I said from that day on, I will always have a dry box that can hold my phone, keys, wallet, and anything else that if it if you are to tip over, you are to, you know, to to flip your kayak, the most important things will float and you can go retrieve those. And then even better, if you can put those on some sort of like lanyard or something that attaches to your kayak, because then you obviously worry about if it floats downstream finding it, you'll be able to find your kayak if when it floats downstream. So you'll be able to get your important stuff back. So yeah. like a dry box attached to your kayak is almost a must for me at this point. Um, a cart or some sort of cart system, once you get a heavy kayak is a game changer, whether it's something cheap you make out of PVC pipe and you know two wheels from Harbor Freight or whether it's like a nice you know kayak cart or something. You need something to transport probably that can then either fold back up or store on your kayak somehow to just make your life easier. Um, electronics are one of those things I didn't think I would have for a long time. And then I bought a striker four and love it just for being able to tell depth, uh, more than anything and be able to find drop-offs and ledges and stuff like that. I really, it's all I use it for. Um, what else? A milk crate was one of those things that seemed kind of like a, eh, yeah, if you have one great, if you don't, you don't. Once I put a milk crate in the back, I was like, why did I not have this back here before? It just, you know, it triples the amount of storage you have because you have walls that you can build up to now and you're not held by the threshold of your kayak. Um, anchor is something I'll probably ask you guys about because I am still in the process of figuring out what anchor system works for me and how I do it. I've had a, uh, anchor wizard, not an anchor wizard, an anchor trolley for a while, just like the old school, like rope thing on the side. Absolutely hate it because it's, I'm almost tipping myself over at this point, trying to, to work it. And I have such a heavy anchor. My buddy has an anchor wizard and I've never wanted something more in my entire life. I think I'll probably end up with that next where you just crank it down and crank it back up. What do you guys do for anchor systems? Sean loves his anchor wizard. <laughs> I don't I, like it. I, I want it to work so badly, but I, and I'm, I'm getting much better. Um, but you know, it, the, the gearing on it, it like you, you crank it open to let it release. And yeah. then, but if you let it go too far, at all like i'm talking a fraction of an inch too far you can't crank it back down without taking it apart like oh. once you open it <laughs> and uh there's like some some washers in there that give it its tension once you open it past that every once in a while i'll get lucky and be able to crank it back down but nine times out of ten it's kind of done for that trip and i have to take it off my kayak um take it apart and tighten it back down again now, like I said, I've gotten much better at, at doing that, but the first probably five times I took it out, I'd have two anchor drops or I'd even bump it with my elbow, knock it loose, and then you just can't tighten it again. So, And also I don't have, because of the way my Hobie is, I don't have a spot on the front for the, the chute. You know, that, uh, yeah. So I didn't even buy the chute with mine. So I dropped mine off the side, which isn't ideal, I know, yeah. uh, anyway, but it if I need to stop and stay in a position, it at least allows me to do that. But um, nine times out of 10, I don't use it a, because I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to tighten it down or I just can, can kind of pedal and keep myself 
it's only when I'm yeah right it's only when I I want to stop to retire something I'll just you know knock or drop the anchor over and and uh you know that's about all I use it for so so is it is it something like a I don't know what the inside of them looks like that like a a lock washer or something can fix or is it well it's 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 like a stack of different washers and um just the way, and I, I, I even reached out to the guy who, because it's just a, a, a you yeah, know, a, a single guy. Makes them, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's like, yeah, you just have to learn, you know, to be careful when you when you let it loose, because um, if you if you take the all the tension off of it, make it so that it works right. <laughs> I know that's it. It looks like it should work perfect, but just in my experience, um, until I kind of got the hang of it, it was more frustrating than anything. So weird it just seems like it would be so simple and so easy you just crank right. one crank one why can't it just be like why do you even need a wash system why can't they just tie it to the spindle and just crank in and crank out i don't understand i, I think it's just because it's 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 supposed to be kind of geared so you just kind of crank it open and then lets it just fall like free fall oh, it's almost. just free fall yeah and then you I would probably but, go in there I, I know what i would do then i would just go in and tie it off and be like no i'm cranking it down and yeah. cranking it up and i know it defeats purpose of whatever feature they were trying to put in to just free fall drop it but if that's what saves me then the only thing is that you might run out of of line i guess maybe i don't know how much it can hold but it holds a lot a yeah, lot of pair for it, yeah. see mine I, i've got an anchor wizard myself um see mine i haven't had the issue that sean has you know i i smack mine let it untwist and then my anchor falls down and then you know if i try to just tighten it by the handle then yeah it'll just keep spinning what i gotta do i gotta grab my my anchor line and hold it tight and then start cranking and then it'll catch and tighten back up and then i got it anchored up and all that but i rarely ever use an anchor uh the there's one situation where I use the anchor. I, I don't get out on the river a whole lot. I should get out on it more because it's five minutes down the road, but I don't get out on it a lot. And the only situation that I use it on is in the river. Um, my kayak, I got the Jackson Bite FD. It's got a moted in handle directly on the front of my kayak. So I don't use the chute either. I, I just thread it through that. I just run the line straight through there. Uh, when I set it up, you know, I hook my anchor under, like after I done went through there, I hook it on there on the front of my kayak. And so while I'm facing upstream, I'll let my anchor down to kind of hold me in current so I can sit there in current and fish the current. And that's the only time I ever use an anchor. And I, I, I just really don't feel much need for one in any other situation personally. Yeah, and and I actually come across this question earlier on Facebook. They were asking like, how necessary is it? And like, it's not really all that necessary, in my opinion. Yeah, if, I think if you're, it, it depends what you're fishing for sure. Yeah, I think it can also be dangerous too, especially for beginners. If you're yeah. using an anchor in heavy current, it can be bad news. I've and had you, that happen before too. That's that's my big problem too. Is I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the type of anchor that works best for me too, because I have a grappling anchor right now and I have run into a lot of issues on the river. Cause right. Like you said, Ryan, that's what I'm doing with an anchor. I'm going down a, a, a heavy current area. I'm turning myself around, dropping my anchor and I'm sitting there parked at the end of this run and fishing basically upstream like you are. And that's, that's 90% of the time when I'm using an anchor, 
grappling anchor works great to grab, not great to try and get off the rock to to come because what you're doing is you're pulling yourself back to it because you can't get that thing to to undo. And then you're almost flipping yourself. Sometimes I've had some issues. That's some of the sketchiest stuff I've ever been in was trying to get back up to my anchor on the other side of it in current to wedge it out of a rock. So mm-hmm. I don't think the grappling anchors work best for me. My buddy just has a straight, super dense cylinder. And that's what he drops off that uh, anchor wizard. It almost fits up right in the chute. It's pretty close. Um, and it seems to work really well. So I think I just need to find something small and dense. I know people use those like uh, ones that look like cannonballs or whatever. Yeah, um, I, was about, I was about to record the bomb. Yeah. It, it yeah. looked like the old school cartoon bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've actually I think Brad has one. I'm pretty sure when, when we passed it on I, th- the I river, think he I think sold it with one. his last kayak. Okay. Maybe I, I believe. Yeah, unless he, unless he got another one. But I actually use a dumbbell that I got at Goodwill. And yeah, it's, it's like an old like school a, dumbbell. Yeah, it's like a five pound dumbbell that you know it, it looks ridiculous, but it works. You know, yeah, it well somewhat. I, I I would like to find like a different style because it I do have a little trouble if it is on the bottom just right. It'll kind of hold me there in the current, but it's hard kind of hard to find the right spot to get it on there to like really hold me. Or else right. it'll just sit there and roll. The current will just roll it down the bottom of the river, I guess. Yeah. I don't, but uh, but yeah, I would like to find like a different style that works a little better. I have thought about getting one of those uh, the bombs. Yeah, because uh, I, I tried like mushroom forty bucks. Awful. Yeah, I don't yeah. use mushroom maker. <laughs> no, I haven't tried mine in mud. I have like a more of a ball shaped one, but it has like a little fin on it. I was I was just looking for it on Amazon to see if I could find it quick, but it works really good on the river but i don't know how it would be in mud i you know if it's something that goes down and just kind of sucks in and then you really have a hard time pulling it out um but uh yeah mine was like dirt cheap on amazon and it's the the weirdest looking thing it's just like a ball with like a little fin on the one side and then it has two different eyelets you can tie off of i'll have to keep huh. searching for it that fin probably just helps grab something a little bit more than just a regular yep. ball yeah yep interesting now, something we haven't really talked about tonight that I hang on, my head looks weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, I gotta look good for you too. Yeah, all yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but something we haven't really talked about tonight that I feel like don't get talked about enough, and you know, this is another post that I commented on today, and you know, the person was like, I didn't even think about any of that stuff. Um, is I think there's essentials that need to stay with your kayak that you know you may not really think about. Some stuff you may not really use that often. They don't really have much to do with fishing, particularly. Now, me personally, I, I keep a dry bag on my kayak at all times, and in this dry bag, I have a few things. I have an extra prop for my pedal drive. So, I, I I've never broken one in the year I've had a pedal drive. Knock on wood. Um, I've never broken one, but if you do, like, it's good to have an extra one. So with that, you want extra t- tools. I've got like some Allen wrenches and, you know, screwdrivers, stuff like that in that bag. Um, then I also keep a first aid kit. Uh, yeah, I've ran into situations where like I cut my toe open or something like that. And I try to keep my Crocs on if I get out of my kayak <laughs> and waiting in the water now, but, uh, yeah, there's been situations where I get out barefoot and cut my toe open on a rock or something, and you might need some disinfectant or something, depending on the body of water you're in. And, uh, yeah, so I keep a first aid kit. 
And one of the most essential things that most people probably don't even think of that to me is this. baby wipes. Yep. Baby <laughs> I wipes. knew it was coming. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to disgust any, any, or disgust anybody, but I can't tell you how many times nature has called when I was in nature <laughs> and those baby wipes will save you. It, it, you know, I guess you could bring toilet paper, but just remember you're on the water. Toilet paper gets wet. It's not, it's kind of useless. Baby wipes can get wet and they're already wet. So it's fine. But yeah, I keep a pack of baby wipes on there. And I, like I said, I can't tell you how many times they've came in use. And I, I just, it, anybody, I don't care if you're recreational or fishing or what, keep some baby wipes on your kayak. Yep. That's, it's uh it's one of those things that everybody laughs at until you need it out there. Yeah, and it's not funny who's anymore. laughing you now when you're wiping yeah, you with a leaf? <laughs> better make sure that's the right leaf you got Ooh. there. I had a I had a I had a buddy in high school that uh did that with poison sumac one time on accident. Oh man. Yeah. He I can't even like imagine straight up couldn't sit down for like a week. Yeah. So again, not funny. Keep some baby wipes in your kayak and yeah. don't be that guy. <laughs> you made yeah, a good point about uh, the, the first aid kit too. The first aid kit is something you should have something like that. Uh, I had, was it last year? It was right at the beginning of like when all this weird stuff happened and we did a big, big float. And I think it was like nine miles, like a, a all day kind of thing. We were going to take our time and hit spots. And I caught a pike. We don't have pike really around here. Like that's not, you very, very rarely run into pike. I caught a pike. It took my like uh, 2.0 like down the gullet. And I was like, I'm getting this 2.0 back. Like, <laughs> I, I have a whole trip ahead of me. Packed one chartreuse crankbait. It's dirty. It's way muddier than I thought it was. I'm getting this thing back. Guess what else I don't have with me? Pliers. Of course not. Why would I have pliers with me? Because that would make too much sense. So I say basically this this pike has been fairly well behaved the entire time I've, I've had it uh, in the net. It's like, all right, I'm just going to get it back. And what happens? I reach in there, thing chomps down, and I have like this half second where I'm like, don't thrash, don't thrash, don't thrash. And what's it do? And it just cuts open. I mean, I have a giant scar on my thumb. This thing just sliced my whole thumb completely open with like eight miles still to go of paddling. I don't have a pedal drive. I'm paddling with this just thumb, uh. skin, whole thing just hanging off. And I wish I would have had. I mean, if I would have, I swear to goodness, if I would have had like, uh, a needle and and uh, yarn. I, w- I would have sewed it myself. Like it was that deep and that bad. Like I would have done some, you know, uh, crocheting there, and I would have got this thing back there. So like, yeah, if you can keep something, if I had a, had a band aid or something, that would have helped a ton. But no, I'm I'm going eight miles in gross, nasty, polluted river water with my thumb basically hanging off. So yeah, it was. Uh, it. I wish I would have had a, a first aid kit. And again, if you have a dry bag or you have something that's like. You're making a good point. Just something that always stays with your kayak, not something it, you have it to remember comes to pack off my every kayak time. Yeah, yeah I, I, like right now, my kayak's sitting over here. It's on my kayak. The front of my kayak, you know, I, I don't have like a hatch or anything on there. It, okay. uh, It's just like a storage area, indented storage area. It's got the, the uh, bungee straps going through there. It's tucked under those bungee straps, and then where it clips together is going around the bungee strap. That way, if it pops out, it don't come off. And it never comes off of that spot unless I'm yeah. getting something out or putting something in. Yep, that's a very good point. That's, uh, you know, other stuff, too. Like, if you have, um, 
I don't know if you wear contacts, like put a little contact solution thing in there, like all the kind of stuff you probably yeah. think about, but what would be a day ruiner if you were like four miles into a trip and you don't have something with you. So that's a really good point. I should probably put together something. Me too. And, 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 yeah. And it probably wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't have it myself. Like something like a fire starter or, you know, uh, one, one of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously, a yeah. flare yeah. or one of those, uh, one of those, those warmth blanket thing or mm -hmm. what, what are they called? Like, the yeah, like heat blanket, looks like yeah. foil They're yeah like thermal right yeah there, yeah. Home, yeah you know that especially in the winter time something like that because you know what happens like say the situation that i spoke of earlier where like just the wind picked up like crazy out of nowhere unexpected and you get blown somewhere you know way across the water or something and you're kind of stuck there for a little bit you know yeah. fire starter and that kind of stuff you know they that could come in handy yeah especially yeah. in the winter time when it's cold and like you got wet or something, you got to warm yourself up. You know, you need to start a fire. You need that thermal blanket thing and all that stuff. Yep. That's a very good point. But, uh, I did find my anchor. You want to see it? Let me see if I can share my screen. Uh, where'd it go? I'm picturing the, the, like, uh, the logo from the major league movie where it's just like a, a ball that has a mohawk. Oh yeah. So okay. it, 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 and it's really not anything complicated, but it it really kind of worked well for me. So yeah, I get I, I get the eyelet on the side of the ball. The eyelet oh, that's on the sorry. fin there. would just just make it a ball weight, right? Pretty much, like yeah, that's yeah. gonna be straight up in the air. Interesting. So I, I and I tend to attach it to the one on the fin, or actually the one on the uh, on the ball part. Yeah, say so that one makes the most sense to me because then you get to use that fin to grab onto things or you know right. give it a so keep it from rolling over on itself. But it never kind of really gets wedged anywhere. It kind of yeah. you know for the most part I can pretty much most of the time pull it back. What are the what's the weight options on that? Yeah. You know, it's twenty one dollars from what I can see here. Uh, I'll have to look. Uh, what what is it? Say? It shows down there pounds. It says size and it yeah, says eight pounds. I see it, eight pounds. Uh, mine is definitely not eight pounds. Mine is way later. Uh, let's see. Whoops. So yeah, I think four, six. Yeah, I I I probably wouldn't recommend over eight pounds for a kayak yeah. I'd, I'd probably recommend that there was a six option six yeah, yeah. So, I'd yeah. Probably i probably have a seven six. pound grappling anchor and that thing feels like it weighs 50 pounds yeah yeah, yeah it's huge whoops whoops you got some square bills in that cart there yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i just lost my uh you just talking about losing your 2.0 i lost a 1.5 just uh the other day so i was or maybe it uh, was a 1.5 so yeah it was i don't have to I have to look back at the pictures. It might have been a one point five. Yeah. So, so I I really like this. You know, uh, for the six pound version, it's seventeen ninety nine on Amazon. Yeah. Free free shipping with Prime if you got Prime. Yeah, so eighteen I, bucks. I, yeah, I really like that. I don't know how much the bomb is, but I thought it was a little more. Expensive. It's about forty bucks. That's yeah, what I thought. Fairly so. expensive. Now I'm not saying it's not worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> but this right here, me being the cheapskate i am as far as yep. stuff that i don't find too essential i'm Same. probably gonna be getting one of those says the guy that's still using his 40 dollar <laughs> kayak from <laughs> six years ago <laughs> uh, uh, that's awesome but yeah i mean it's 
kayak fishing is that's what's cool about it is it's not a giant uh, uh barrier to entry i guess it's, it's right. one of those things it's like you can get in bare bones i mean we showed you a, a kayak earlier we talked about a kayak earlier it was 300 with a paddle that will get the job done and does have a seat that you could fish for more than 10 minutes out of and not want to you know hate your life so you can you can get in and you can start getting to spots that other people can't for you know three four five hundred bucks and have a decent setup and get out there and at least prove to yourself you're going to stick with it before you go drop you know a thousand two thousand dollars on a forever kayak right no and and i was going to say too don't underestimate the used market you know you can buy a, mm-hmm. a much higher quality kayak for you know about the price you would pay now for a pelican you know just the way it's you know prices are so jacked up so um i almost wish i would have went that way at first too um there was more kind of proving to my wife that i would actually you know that spending more than a grand on a kayak was going to that I was going to stick with it enough for that to be even an option. And I think after, you know, the first year and, and you know, me taking it out a gazillion times, she was like, oh, OK, I, yeah, this isn't going to be a, a passing fad. You can, you know, take that leap. And that's when I jumped to the Jackson and then I loved that. And then I just wanted the pedals. So that's when I jumped to the Hobie. So. I mean, on the on the used side of things too. If you play your cards right, like you can get some really nice kayaks under a thousand dollars. I got oh, my yeah. my lure ten was brand new. The guy bought it, and he realized really quick that he was a little too big for it, and he needed a tw- what the eleven five I think that they make. Um, so he just sold the ten and he put it on Facebook Marketplace, and I like could not get there fast enough. I was like, I will be there tonight at midnight. Do not talk to anybody. <laughs> I'm on my way. And uh, I think I've got it for like six hundred bucks. Yeah, like that. nice, uh, brand new. I mean, I've heard stories like once. that. Yeah, yeah, the guy, like somebody, will take it out and decide maybe hey, kayak kayaking isn't for me. I've heard people getting like crazy deals on a Hobie, like they just don't know what they have. And yeah, dude, we, they, we had a a I can't remember if it was a PA twelve or a PA fourteen back in like November, somebody posted it for sale and it was sold within an hour because they were asking like two thousand bucks had the yeah. drive and everything yeah. and for anybody who don't know this is like a four thousand dollar kayak new or <laughs> more actually i believe yeah uh, brand new with all the bells and, and whistles yeah and, th- and this thing here had barely been used the guy bought it used it a few times and it sat in his garage for a year or two and wanted to get rid of it didn't know especially in that market or yeah. in the current market where you know the kayaks are a little bit harder to find and all that so yeah, that's that's crazy. Anybody, if anybody around the Dayton area wants a uh, very, very heavily used uh, 10T that's just got maybe <laughs> four or five holes in the bottom of it, shoot me a message after this. And I'll get you a friend price on it. <laughs> I have a my my 10T. I kid you not. I, I talked about I'd sank kayaks before. I've I've sank that kayak before. We were on a long float. I had patched up holes in this bottom of this thing for probably a year at that point. Like I'd, I'd been plastic welding it for a long time and uh, we're right in the beginning of the float. That sucker just goes down. I was like, Oh my God. So all float, <laughs> I had to basically get out probably every three to four minutes and drain a full haul of water oh my out of the middle of it. I mean, I'm talking, I don't know, 80 gallons of water, probably whatever it can hold in there. It was a lot of water. It would take probably 10 <laughs> minutes to drain and I'd get back in and I'd paddle as fast as I could. And then I'd get back out and drain again just to get back to, it was, I, it was maybe the worst 
kayak day of my life. But well, you can't uh, imagine paddling a kayak full of water either. That's well, be well, and it was at the point where like I would I would stay in it uh, as long as possible to not have to dump it again. And so I would get to the point where that water would get <laughs> right to the edge of coming over it. And then I would immediately like jerk over and, and go and pour it out again. And it was like, I mean, I don't know how much a full ascent tenty of, of waterways hundreds of pounds like it took both of us yeah to just push it up to be able to to tip it and get the water over ridiculous but but yeah i mean that's the other thing about kayaks too is like don't be afraid to uh i don't want to say abuse a kayak but i mean a kayak is is a tool it's made to be used it's made to get you certain places you know go over those rocks uh go to those places that you're gonna bottom out but you know to get to the next spot right it's a it's a tool it doesn't have to be a uh a sports car that goes to the, the car show every weekend. It's, it's meant to do something. So my goal with all of my stuff, like I'm that way with trucks, I'm that way with kayaks, with everything. I'm going to run this thing into the ground. It's going to get me my money out of it. And if that means I have to buy one a year sooner than you have to buy a new one, so be it, because I'm going to get to the places I want to get to. I'm going to use this tool to fish better. So it's the exact same thing. If, if I have a kayak that lasts me, you know, five, six years, and then I have to give it a, a sailor's goodbye and sink it to the bottom of the lake, then so be it, because it, it served its purpose. So Shoot the flaming yeah. area away. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this uh, one, I mean, is going to be. The whole bottom of it is orange, because I use those uh, those $5, uh, five-gallon buckets from Home Depot to, to plastic weld it. So it's a black kayak, and the whole bottom of the keel is just nothing but bright orange, because it's just Hey, Halloween buckets, killers. But- yeah <laughs> that's that's good practice at least at least you know you can patch if you have to right? oh yeah and and it's really not that hard to do um as long as you don't burn the original plastic of your kayak too much and make your hole bigger before you patch it but yeah i mean that's probably a good thing too don't be afraid to scratch the bottom of your kayak once you take it out the first time that bottom is going to be scratched the same thing with buying a, a used kayak don't flip it over and be like oh there's a scratch on it i'm i'm this has been you know used too much it's it's going to be scratched the second you take it on the river so just you know put a kill guard on it or if you're really worried about it or you know some sort of layer on it but i mean these kayaks especially the nicer ones are made to be you know uh, have contact with the bottom of them and abused a little bit yeah. and take some scratches and stuff that hull is at least on the good ones is, is thicker than you think it is and can take some abuse yeah i i agree with you there's only one thing like one situation where avoid like for for newer people especially in the cheaper kayaks if you like as much as you can avoid dragging it on pavement and gravel like yeah, get, like, get like a just, cart. just bare, <laughs> yeah yeah like in the water you know you bottom out a little bit it's not as bad you got water in there to kind of like help the situation but yeah i've seen so many people like unload it out of the truck and then drag it like 30 40 feet across pavement to that was me the boat right <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's why the whole bottom of my kayak is orange but <laughs> yeah. yeah just be prepared to fix it if you're gonna do that but that's where we get back to like a cart is is a lifesaver make a mm-hmm. i made a cart for that ascent 10t out of you know uh two wheels from harbor freight and literally pvc pipe wrapped around them and then they went through the scupper plug holes and that was the the way I which made is the bad cart. which is bad <laughs> uh, that can crack yeah. your scuppers and yeah Void your warranty on your kayaks. Well, what do you so, want me to do? You, don't listen to Andrew here. Make, no. make me pick. Do you want me to drag it on the concrete, or do you make me, want me to put PVC through my scupper holes? One of them is going to happen. Spend forty bucks on a cart. Forty yeah. bucks on a cart. Yeah, yeah, don't be cheap like me and buy an actual cart. But did you yeah. see that? Uh, I think it was it Gene Jensen who who drug his uh, like a spare bona fide behind his truck for like fifteen miles just to prove 
that you can't really drag a hole I, into your kayak from dragging I, it on. A I, I will. I will say with those, they're pretty sturdy because <laughs> you know Adam Riser's really bad about dragging his kayak, and you know he's got a kayak now. He don't. I don't think he ever actually uses it for fishing anymore. But like if he goes like on, he's gonna camp out on an island or something. He'll bring it to pull his. Uh, Put all his gear in and pull it behind him. Uh, but yeah, that thing there looks rough. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Have you guys ever used any sort of keel guard or anything on the bottom of yours? I just I bought a, a Burley Pro, um, the one that goes on the front edge, the leading okay. edge, because where you where I hit the ramp all the time, I was like, eh, you know, and I saw this and it was like 20 bucks. I haven't put it on yet. But uh, that's all that I have right now. And the bottom of mine is pretty rashed up from ramp rash for sure. So. I always wondered how good those things do, like the actual keel guards are. Cause, I mean, they make sense, but I tried to do it with uh, flex tape. Yeah. No, I've heard of people trying that too. And yeah, I just <laughs> it just like... leaves your bottom a sticky mess. And it like the second that you scrape something, it scrapes that flex tape off and you're just left with goo on the yeah. bottom of this, of this kayak. And it's disgusting. So that's exactly what I that. heard. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had a cheap fix. doesn't work. <laughs> Well, Andrew, yeah. we're uh, we're pushing an hour and a half here. Yeah, you know, it's been fun, um, but I think we need to start wrapping it up here a little bit. We're definitely gonna have to get you on again. You know, you say you don't get to actually talk just fishing a whole lot. We need to get yeah. you on here sometime and talk like techniques and stuff like that instead of just what gear you need and all that kind of stuff. You know, let let I'm you let you cut loose and talk talk some <laughs> technique a little bit. But, yeah, it's uh, nice. Like I, like I was telling Sean before we started, I was like, I'm used to being the person that like. I try and ask the, if I have a guest on the show, I try and ask questions and talk as little as possible. So it's always odd to be on the other side of that for once. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to real quick, you know, shout out, uh, you know, social media sponsors, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, it's tackle talk podcast.com. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. We upload every single Tuesday. So I usually upload it. I have one that's set to upload here in like 48 minutes. So it usually goes live at midnight for Tuesday. So that way, when you wake up in the morning on Tuesday morning on your way to work, however early you get up, it should be up there and, and loaded and ready to go. So every Tuesday, uh, we upload a new episode. Some of them have guests on them. Uh, we've had some really cool guests before. We've had you know, Iconelli, uh, Bill Dance, Boyd Duckett, Fluke Master, you talked about a second ago. Um, had Hank Cherry, who just had a, a heck of a weekend this past weekend again. Yeah. Um, so we've had some cool guests on there, but it's not always uh, a guest. Sometimes we'll do uh, just a straight up episode on, you know, we'll do the top five casting rods under $150 or We'll take a piece of gear. We'll take a Shimano Sahara and we'll, you know, really uh, review it and, and talk about not only how good it is out of the box, but how long it'll last you. So stuff like that. We try and be a, a fairly well-balanced show uh, from back when, when I started this show, I was looking for a show like that and I couldn't really find it. So I was like, I can probably do something worth listening to hopefully. Uh, and, uh, and it kind of caught on. So it's, it's been pretty cool, but yeah. Uh, Instagram, facebook at tackle talk podcast my personal instagrams at haze fishing h-a-z-e fishing uh we have some great supporters of the show we just got american legacy fishing who is uh the new title sponsor of the show those guys are fantastic if you've never ordered from them midwestern dudes that uh have a cool shop over in indiana they carry g loomis and dobbins and shimano and all that kind of stuff and fast shipping good dudes so 
yeah, we've uh, we've been lucky too, but it's it's been a whole lot of fun, and I love talking to people. So shoot me a message if you want to talk fishing. If you guys want to, you know, do this again, and you want to talk fishing, let me know. I'll talk anytime, anywhere. <laughs> I wanted to say thanks for introducing me to Dark Horse Tackle too, because uh, uh, I've had. And a lot I've of fun been meaning to do that. I've been. Meaning they have like a cool. cool. They have like a cool. The one I got the, to start was like an eight dollar, where you get two things. Like this month, I got Jigmaster's. Uh, Shaggy head and something else. So I was actually already familiar with that Jig Masters because they're a big sponsor of our show too. But uh, definitely, I mean, it was it's not a a bank, a bank breaker, and it is cool stuff that you might not get in like a, one of the other big name boxes. So that was always my big gripe with the, <clears throat> those other boxes. I've I've worked with a couple of them before, and I like the concept of them. But eventually, what happens is they just get stale. It's just cheap off-brand stuff that they're trying to unload in these boxes and dudes at dark horse are like hey we're you know let's let's put some local stuff in here at least some some different stuff that you can uh explore and i some of the stuff you're right like you'll get it and you'll be like i know these people it's like uh cybered outdoors is a company that i used to order a lot of like jig making uh parts through that mike over there i think he's in missouri i think kansas maybe um but just a again a dude one man shop that will sell you jigs we'll sell you parts to make jigs we'll sell you unpainted jigs if you want to make your own and i got one of his uh uh flipping jigs in i think last month's box like oh mike mike's jig like oh this is cool so yeah they they do a good job of, of finding companies that you've never heard of i've actually got one here i've i just recorded the episode today there was one in here this is a local company. Look how good that packaging is. Like, that's why wow. that looks like, I don't know, like something I would find it at Bass Pro or something. I was really Heck impressed. Yeah. That's it cool. came with like a little uh, note on the back from like the dudes that make them, I guess. Like that kind of stuff's cool to me. I was, I, I'm impressed with how well these local companies can do their packaging, can make their products. And it's the same dang price that you're going to pay for a, you know, you're going to get a nice flipping jig versus a bitsy bug jig that's going to bend out the second that it looks at a twig. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah cool. it's cool. I, I've been meaning to do that, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on. You know, once again, and we'll definitely have to get you on here again, Sean. I dropped the ball at the beginning of this episode. Do you know what this episode is? Is this the hundred or the uh, what was it? The how this many, is the six hundred episode of Paddle and Finn. Holy number six hundred. You know what else? The day this release Goodness. is the three uh, year. Uh, third birthday of Paddle oh, and Finn. Paddle and Finn. Wow. Yeah. Three so, years, well, holy cow. 600 shows. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. I just uploaded my one a second ago, and it was like uh, show 86 or something. I can't remember. <laughs> 600 shows. That's and, wild. And, and you got to think, it was like one episode a week for like the first year, and then started Dude, y'all, y'all got shows statement. in different languages. You got all kinds of stuff now. You got hunting <laughs> shows. You got shows on saltwater. I it's wild how many shows you guys have. It's awesome too, because you hit every niche, every person. If you're interested in fishing, even this much, you should be able to find a paddle and fin show. That's, you know, wherever you are, whether it's, you know, uh, I know Brad does a good job with his show with you guys. If you're, yeah. you know, new to fishing, the, what's the, the feather and fin, I think the, the feather and fur, of, feather and the fur, hunting, the, the hunting, hunting and fishing. Yeah. yeah. So like that kind of stuff is cool too. So if you speak Spanish, I, I saw you guys had a Spanish show. So, you know, you should be able to find something hopefully on Paddle and Finn that you want to listen to. If not, you may uh, need to take a look internally because uh, <laughs> they've got all the bases covered. <laughs> right. So well, kudos hope, to you guys. It's awesome. Yeah, appreciate Thank that. You. And yeah, so happy third birthday to Paddle and Finn. Hey. If you're if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, make sure you check out our Facebook page on 
that Monday night, and we're going to be doing a big live stream shindig kind of thing. So yeah, make sure you check that out and come join us. And you know, we'll have different guests on, have different hosts on, and uh, I believe we're going to try to have some giveaways and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, then you know tonight. Make sure you check out the Facebook page, Paddle and Finn Podcast, and look for the live stream. Cool. Do it. Yeah, Off that's going to be say, hey. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Um, keep up the great work. Uh, like I said, I look forward every Tuesday morning on my drive to work to checking out uh, the new stuff you, you're bringing. So keep up the good work. Um, thanks again for coming on. Um, to everybody else, all the listeners, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Finn Podcast bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Thanks, guys. Later, y'all. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle in Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle in Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.